today I thought we need to talk about something that, that I'm coming to understand is very, very powerful and important in our lives. So we're going to talk about commitment and the power of the vow. Man, commitment and the power of the vow. Uh, we, we need to really understand the importance of our words to hold us into obedience in our lives. How important it is to, to live our lives on purpose, to do things according to God's purpose, and to allow God's method of us leaving, leading a purposeful and orderly life and understand how that happens, why God has us do things a certain way. Why is our confession important? Why are our words important? And so I think if we <clears throat> think about things that words do, words tend to map out a course for your life. Your words map out a course for your life. And, and your words need to be God's word for you to have the best course in life. And we know that. We understand that. It's so very important that you need to understand in God's kingdom, the word always comes first. And the word always paves a way for us to go forward and to have success. You speak the things that you want to see happen because you want to see them happen, not because you don't want to see them happen. So that, that gives you an indication of how purposeful words are. So <clears throat> I thought I'd start us off with a few definitions. So if you can you know, bear with me and get to understand, get your head. We get our heads all in the same spot. Commitment is uh, the is a state or quality of being dedicated to a course and activity an idea commitment also means a restraint of liberty so your commitment kind of locks you in <clears throat> to certain activities and forbids certain other activities Commitment is engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action. Now you can see right now why many people don't want commitment, don't like it. Because just as there is an obligation to do certain things, there is a restriction that you cannot do certain other things. And for some reason when people hear you can't do something, they recoil at that. Human flesh recoils at restriction. And you can see why God commands commitment and restriction because he wants your life to go in a direction where a purpose is achieved. And if you can go here, there, and everywhere, you won't go straight and accomplish your purpose, right? So commitment is very important for that reason. And, and that's why we ask children when they're growing up, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because we want to put them on a path that's going to get them there. See? We, we are very anxious to get people to make commitments to certain things so that we know their life. When somebody says, I don't know yet, you know, when they get to be a certain age, you get nervous because you need to know by a certain age. You understand? Because that's the way human beings are are made on the inside a commitment is a promise to give or do something if i commit 
to God that I'm going <clears> to <throat> do meetings every Saturday and Sunday, I have to be there to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, many ministers see their flock as a stepping stone to something else. Uh, you won't get stepped on by people who are really committed to God. You understand? Well, they won't abandon you and leave you because something, the grass looks greener. Uh, where prophet somebody or apostle somebody is and we want to do what they do see to me those people really never understood what a call is sometimes people get involved you ever see people get involved in things and don't really know what they're getting involved in god doesn't employ people like that he you know exactly what he wants you to do when god calls you to do something you know from a to z what it is that he's expecting of you because that's the only way you're going to fulfill anything you know this isn't a free-for-all where we can come in here when we feel like it and preach what we want to or don't preach if we don't want to or cut the service down to an hour i see people preachers all over now uh kind of i said what are we catholic i mean nothing wrong with catholics don't get me you know what i'm saying but jeez you know, yet we want titles, we want money, we want limousines, we want first-class tickets, we want all that stuff. But we don't want to commit to earn that through obedience, if I can use that word. You earn. When it says sowing and reaping, what you, what you sow, you reap. You don't sow what you don't. I mean, you don't reap what you don't sow. If you try to, you're a thief. We got enough thieves running around out here. You don't need to be breeding them in the church. You can see I feel very strongly about this. (laughs) A commitment is a promise to give or do something. It means assurance. A commitment is a pledge. Oh, I don't even want to use that word. I think people are finally getting to understand that when they pledge something, God means for you to pay it off. You got me? We have so many pledges that never get paid. Well, why is that? People don't want to commit to things. You know, commitment is something that you're aware of continually. You don't make a commitment and then walk away as though you're not obligated. You're obligated when you commit to do something. Other than that, your word. What happens when you <clears throat> fail to follow up on what you speak? You, you fail to train yourself to succeed. I'm going to say it again. If you fail to follow up on what you promise, you fail to train yourself to succeed. God gives us commitment as a tool and a vow as a tool so that we can succeed in things. If you say you want to be a doctor, we expect you someday to enroll in medical school. You can't sit around and talk about it forever. Other than that, you know, you're just using your words frivolously. You're not really intent on succeeding in anything. You're not intent on accomplishing anything. There are many opportunities to get distracted along the way. Along the way, you can make up your mind you don't want this anymore. I see more people drop out of things, you know. And now that there's so much, quote unquote, free government money for school and many times to get you started, you see many, many people, you know, your payment used to be, or down payment used to be, your pledge to commit to finish this stuff. If you don't have anything invested in your own education, 
it won't mean much to you. Walk off away from it like because somebody else is paying for it or you're not paying for it yet. You're in debt for it. You got me? And so these are the things that we need to understand that God has built into humanity a way to be successful. And commitment is 100% a part of that. You will not succeed in anything that you're not committed to. Sometimes people are committed to hear the sound of their own voice. You know, we're legend in our own mind. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And you're always fixing to, going to, or want to, but you never accomplish anything. Always fixing to do something. Always about to do something. Always, well, God told me, and, you know, get God involved in our shenanigans. It doesn't make it happen any faster. You have to determine in your heart. You have to purpose in your heart. You have to understand what commitment means and how to follow up on. You're going to have to fight distraction. You're going to have to fight the devil. You're going to have to fight all kinds of things that would interfere with you accomplishing what you set out to do. So if you don't commit to something you can't and can't stick with something, you're not going to experience the success that God wants you to experience. Now, how many of you know the devil is very much interested in you never experiencing success? So if he can keep you distracted and running down different bunny trails, running up, running, it's trying to find this and running down this, you know, going here, there and everywhere and never getting where God wants you to go. Mm-hmm. Now we've gotten to the point where we can get a prophecy whenever we feel we want. Many times that's nothing but your tired flesh, your uncommitted flesh, your weak flesh trying to get an excuse to get involved in something else now. Because it's gotten tough for you to get through the commitment phase. It's getting tough for you to press through and get to the next step. You know what? Now now God's called you over here to do this. Huh? And you ain't done that right there. You left that right there that you haven't accomplished yet. So many times, even as Christians, we leave a, 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 a paper trail, a bad paper, where we haven't made good on any vow that we've ever undertaken because we fail to realize the success that God has planned for us if we will stick it out and commit Make your mind and your flesh do what your mouth said you're going to do. That's the only way you're going to get anything in God. That's the only way you're going to get anything in life. You won't get it starting and stopping. Many times people get involved in relationships and it gets a little tough. Instead of forgiving, loving, praying through and plowing through. We drop that and move on, and one day you sit up here, you're too old to be starting all over again. You jump at the first thing that offers you a ring. I said it, and I don't care if you don't like it. Because you never follow through, you never pray through. God is this person for me. No, you just want to go out, you want to have fun, you want to date, you want to, what I can't talk about in the pulpit. I might say it anyway. I'm grown. I can say what I want to say. You understand what I'm saying? This is how we get stuck somewhere down a road, 30 years old, sweating, biological clock running down, 
because we played all the time thinking that we can pick and choose and do all these foolish things instead of committing God send me the person that you want for me prepare me to meet that person and be in the right place at the right time when that person's revealed to me god show me get serious about it like you really want something out of life and god will help you to get there but you won't get there without committing to it i don't care what anybody else is you sit around and talk about them to be the first one to get married all you want to but if you're not committed to God to find out who that person is and, and prepare yourself to be the person, we're always worried about what they bring to the table, what you got. Bunch of flimsy old bills you ain't paid, no clothes that don't fit no more. And all. You ain't bringing nothing to the table. So let's get serious here. Start acting like we going somewhere. Start acting like you're going to meet somebody that's the most important person in your life. Start acting serious about it. Quit playing around so much with the worldly ideas of what you're supposed to be doing with your life. Start acting like a child of God, like you're going somewhere important, like you got something important to do. This is the most important decision of your life, and act like it. Amen? Words that are synonymous with commitment. Allegiance is a word. Allegiance means loyalty of a citizen to his or her government. We see a lot of disloyalty. Most of the people that are getting all the attention these days are disloyal people that don't care about nothing but themselves. They don't see any commitment. And they're fighting the people who are committed to the government, committed to serve, committed to protect. All those people have, have confessed a vow, made an oath to serve and protect and defend our Constitution. And the uncommitted people are opposing them and getting all the attention, all the sympathy. Commitment means dedication. Dedication is strong support or loyalty to someone or something. Get it together. Commit to something. It means earnestness. How do you make commitment? You make commitment with your words. You must speak that you're committed to something. You must speak that you have an elite. You must speak. That's why churches have, have memberships, and that's why we don't have them. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Because you can't get people to really commit. They'll come up and, and, and grace the front of the church and to get the right hand of fellowship, and next week they someplace else up in front of the altar. You know, people just don't commit to anything. So it doesn't mean anything. If it doesn't mean anything to you, we don't, we don't want you to parade yourself up here and say you're a member. You don't get really any better treatment. We serve everybody that comes in here. Don't come up to me so much you're a member. You can't tell me that and think you're going to get something special. Huh? We bless everybody. We preach to everybody. We help everybody. We pray for everybody. You got me? We serve. Well, you got to marry me because I'm on the roll. I ain't got to do nothing for you. If you ain't ready to get married, I don't have to get involved in it. Now, that much I do know. Come get some counseling. Get out to bed with whoever you're in the bed with and straighten up so we can talk about a real marriage. 
a Christian marriage. I'm not talking about legalized fornication. I'm talking about a marriage. A vow is a solemn promise. The word solemn means serious, heartfelt. It's an oath, a pledge, a bond. A vow binds you into a certain mentality, a certain behavior. A vow is a covenant. It means to undertake, to engage, to guarantee, to enact a service or a condition. One of the more common vows we know about is the marriage vow. You commit to an act, that is getting married, service, that means that you are given to that person and that person alone. You get married, you get rid of the little black book. I set a match to my husband. He just made me mad one day and dared me to do it. I burn it. You can't be burned, really? <laughs> Watch. <laughs> I wasn't saved then. <laughs> I can blame it all on that. When I was saved, I burnt more than that. You guys smile at me. I'm your friend today. You're going to like me when this is over. It's a little testy now, but a little warm. And everybody can, you know, fan yourself or whatever you need to exhale. Commitment takes faithfulness. That's another word consistent with the words commitment, dedication, vow, faithful. Faithful means to be true and loyal. To be devoted, to be staunch. Faithful means to have qualities of stability, dependability. All those boring words that we think are no fun, those are the things that make your purpose in life sure. You'll get somewhere if you cultivate these kinds of attitudes. It means to be bound to a pledge, it means to be steadfast. Reliable and consistent. It means to be resolute and firm in adherence to what we have allegiance to or what we owe allegiance to. When you say you, you uh, are faithful, you pledge allegiance to the flag. That means to the republic for which it stands. All the principles that this nation stands for, you pledge to be faithful to that. If you're going to live here and participate in the benefits, you got to participate in the obligations that are inherent in being a part of things. There's no such thing as a life just running here and there, getting what you want out of it and running off. You've got to be faithful to something other than yourself if your life is going to have some kind of meaning. Human beings are made like that. We're the, we're, if you're made in the image of God and he's committed to us to care for us, to save us, to rescue all the stuff we like to get from God, what do you think he's obligating you to? If you're made in his image, if it gives him delight to commit to us, it must give us the delight to commit to things, but we don't think it does. The devil hides that truth from us. We feel better if we have a loophole, the first thing we find, want to find out when we go to get a job is what's my benefit package? 
What that means is how often can I call in and not show up? Don't look at me like that. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. We want to know from day one, when do they start? Oh, I can't be absent for 90 days. Whew, I don't know if I'm going to make that or not. I usually want to be absent the second day. And trust me, many people try to find a way to work it. They so hate committing to anything. Kills them. <laughs> then they wonder why they never have any money, never accomplish anything, never get ahead in life. Huh? Could it be? Could it be? Being faithful also means being indebted to fulfill, and you're indebted to fulfill your words. You shoot your mouth off, you got to fulfill it. That's why many times we don't put faith in God's words because oftentimes what we have in us reflects on what we think about Him. We'll say it again. Oftentimes what we have in us reflects on what we think about Him. See, your mind is a mirror. It just bounces off whatever goes around, looking to see what it measures up to and bounces off of that. So if you're not really a committed person, you find this with people. People in the church who just kind of uh, drift along and lollygag a little bit and come in and when they want to, leave when they want to, you know, that kind of stuff. It's because they're not committed to anything. They bounce around everywhere, not just church, but jobs, every other, you know, anything, just bouncing around. And they think, see, what I found out is there's a critical point at which your commitment will, will, will rest inside of you. There's a point where that commitment is in there and is shaky. And it's not, you're not really rooted and grounded in it. And if you will stay with it and fight off the things that are trying to push you away from it and hunker down, you'll get past that point of where those, that distraction thing bugs you and you'll get hunkered into something. And then the rest of it is easy because you, you've experienced success in keeping your word. You finally, you finally beat the devil and he didn't cheat you out of it one more time. And you found out you got on the other side of obedience and you found out what it feels like to get over there and tough it out through that, that phase of distraction and ideas coming to your head. And I should go do this and I should go do that. Well, some people know what that's like. It's a very liberating thing to be able to tough it out and stay with something and weather that until all that blows past you and you're still standing. You start knowing what success tastes like. That's what the devil hates, honey. He hates for us to taste real success. And that is weathering the storms that will come against your sense of commitment and your sense of keeping a vow. A vow is a commitment within yourself that holds you to your commitment. God is sworn within himself to perform his word, period. And he created us in his image, so we have a mechanism in us that takes our intent, takes our word, and holds us to it. You know for yourself when you certain things come into your, your head and you say, you know what, I'm never going to do that again. I'm always going to, I'm not, oh no, that, that, 
that's the inner vow. That's you swearing to yourself that you're not going to violate yourself again by going over there and doing that. Everybody does that. It's very common to do. There are certain situations we'll talk about that, that where vows are made that hold you into behaviors that are good. There are certain ones that vows are made that work against you at some point. God talks about not making foolish vows and not making vows unadvisedly. That's why you have to be careful about your words. You have to make sure you commit. And when you commit, count the cost of finishing up what you committed to do. So a vow is a commitment within yourself that holds you to your word. Verbal uh, terms of covenant, covenant life. Also a commitment sworn before a higher deity compelling that deity to enforce your actions when you go into a court of law they'll have you put your hand on a bible and swear well that's not you know for liars that don't mean nothing a bible's got to mean something to you god's got to mean something to you your own integrity has to mean something to you and truth has to mean something to you because if they just trusted your vow they wouldn't have a penalty for perjury See, if, if that oath held you into telling the truth, the whole truth, nothing but truth, so help you God, if that was enough, they wouldn't have another oath. And just in case you get stupid and we catch you in a lie up in here, you're going to jail. You got me? And so truth are, is so important. And you take, for instance, somebody who's being accused of something or circumstantial evidence or even eyewitnesses who thought they saw them. And they know they weren't there. And nobody listens to them. So we need safeguards for truth to be spoken in all situations, but certainly in life and death situations. And God locks himself into each word that he speaks as if it is life and death involved in it. Because his life is staked on what he promises us. He says, I will no more renege on my promise. In other words, I'm sincere. I'm not lying to you. Anytime you hear the word of God and you don't believe it, you, you say to yourself, God is lying to me. If you say you sit up and, and you listen to the devil telling you because you don't feel good today, you got, oh, you know what that is? No, devil, let me guess. Huh? Anything with 13 letters and... 55 syllables he likes to throw that stuff at you a lot of people get fascinated talking about their diseases that's how crazy the devil gets people instead of declaring that they're healed a covenant only works through commitment god commits to us and requires we commit to him and he requires we commit to ourselves God wants you to commit to yourself that you're going to be a success, that your life is going to have meaning and purpose, that you're not going to try to skip through life just doing what you want to do and turn up 40 years old with nothing to show for 40 years of living. You know, thank God most church kids don't go out doing drugs, but many of them do. But that's that's the usual the the in scrap heap for humanity with no purpose is dependent on something to cause them to escape from a life that has no purpose 
people need to be committed. We need it. We need commitment. We need it. We need it to keep our our own peace of mind, our own sense of integrity, our sense of self-worth. All of that is tied in to what we commit to. When you when you hear your children say things like, I want to, like I asked Jasmine, I said, well, what are you going to do? I just asked them at the altar, what are you going to do with your life? She said, I'm going to have a law firm. I said, cool. Well, I'm going to remind her, I'm praying for your law firm. Got you covered on the law firm. Going to buy you a chair. May not be brand new. You know how Baba works. But we're going to get you a chair for your little law firm. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody has a dream. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a vision. Commitment and vow making is how it is carried out. Covenant only works through commitment. If you're not married and you don't know if you, well, I can always get a divorce. That's not commitment. Any idiot can do that. What you get married for? Huh? Legalized fornicators. Because your heart's not in the, oh, I said it. Who's, who's sitting back there thinking I ain't going to say it? I said it. We got more of that stuff in the church than we want to admit we got. Just because you put a ring on it, that don't mean nothing. You got to live that out every day. Man, when that ring started becoming a noose around your neck, you still got to live it out. Let me see what the backyard, are you paying attention? You better be. Let me see what the backyard boys are doing. Y'all better not be what you, okay, you paying attention? You heard that, Poppy. You give me a thumbs up. Come give me a knuckle when we get it on camera. You stick your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Hey, my backyard boys. See, if y'all ain't with me up in here, I got my backyard to go to. Whatever. How'd I get into this, Lord? I'm feeling strong about this right here. See, we got to keep, we got to keep not only us, but this works for everybody. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. This works for everybody. God has, has, he has, is committed 100% to us, given his life in exchange for ours. And then to help us carry this out, he lives in us to give us the power to carry it out. You ain't doing nothing but going saying, yes, Lord, and going along for the ride. Just don't hinder nothing. You know what I'm saying? You do a, go a long way like that. Since God is the greater power, he calls the shots in the relationship. I see this some people don't like. You know, all this uh, women's lib stuff where you erase obey out of there. Uh-huh. But you want him to obey you. what I thought exactly what I thought see if you're going to have a relationship that works somebody's going to have to obey somebody you feel like you don't want to obey nobody don't get married you don't want to obey nobody don't don't be in the church don't get saved don't get involved with God 100% whatsoever and then we'll see people like they get in their 60s they've been married uh, you know, 35, 40 years, and we said, that's so wonderful. You liar. You don't think that's wonderful. I think, no wonder. Look at her. Look at him. Yeah, yeah. 30 years in solitary confinement. 30 years in Sing Sing. Huh? Grafton, wherever your home is. 
Huh? We don't mean that. We just say it. Yes, I do. I mean, mm -hmm. get invested in it then. Go find you somebody to hook up with and stay faithful to for 30 days. Through thick and through thin, through ups and through downs. Huh? <laughs> wait till you have a need. You're married, wait till you have a need. That test of marriage, you know. I see a lot of these people living together. And then all of a sudden, ain't nobody living. What happened? Well, you know, I had a little bout of sickness. Oh, that'll do it every single time. You got to shack up. You get sick. Boom! You don't know the last move they made. Huh? That's, that's the worst. They want you for better. When worse comes, they on the move, baby. Huh? They want to be with you in worse. Stay faithful to your vow. You make a vow and you don't and you pass up the opportunity, fulfill it. God considers that adultery. I mean you're going off romancing something else instead of staying faithful. Anybody can do that. In a marriage, just like God invites us into the covenant because He's supplying everything. In reality He is. But we have similar covenant relationships marriage is one the bible says that marriage is a, a mirror of the relationship of christ to the church we are his bride he is the bridegroom he's the one that takes care of everything so in a marriage the man invites the woman into his life i don't even want to go there well, you got to have a life first. You ain't got no life. What you doing with him? He ain't got no life for you. Why you messing with him? Get out of his face. Get out. No, they won't leave you alone. Criticize you. Talk about you. You ain't got this. You ain't got that. Messing with her, you never will. So if you're a man that cares anything about yourself, move on. The Bible says it's better than to, to sleep in a rooftop than to stay in a house with a complaining woman. But in a marriage, the husband invites the wife to accept his life like Jesus invites us to accept his life. Fornication allows witchcraft to enter. That's why you don't sleep with somebody. And then think you will clean it up by getting married. Yeah. Yeah. That was a slow pitch. Uh, some people will catch it next year sometime. But catch it, you will. Yeah, they just, you know, well, I ain't going to do nothing. been 10 years. I ain't going to go get nobody else. I guess we're going to get married. Huh? You've locked yourself into a life of sin, paying for that sin. Now, if you've done that, you got married, you can repent. God will help anybody who sincerely is sorry. But many times people, even Christians, are not sorry. They think it's okay. The devil has told them what they, and now that you're married, it's okay now. What you going to do about that pile of dirt under the rug? Yeah. Yeah. 
in your soul. See, the seeds are still there. And the fruit's still, it's still bearing fruit. They're never going to get erased until the blood pen erases it. The big blood eraser has to erase that. You've got to be really godly sorry for breaking God's law. You know, we see it all the time. People uh, living together and come to church and think they're getting away with something. The Bible says your sin will find you out. It always finds you out. You see a married miserable, but they're smiling at everybody trying to pretend like they're. When a little trip to the altar will take care of all of that if you get godly sorry. You understand what I'm saying? God doesn't want to saddle you with the fruit of your sin forever, but you've got to be godly sorry and come to him and say, I violated your covenant. I violated your law. And I sinned like David sinned. He said, against you and you only did I sin. You get that straight with him and the rest will fall into place. Outside of a vow, if you're having sex outside of a vow, it's soul to soul. You got me? So your soul gets entwined with that person. You start trying to figure out how to keep getting along with them so you don't get dumped. Huh? You don't want to look bad in front of people. Trying to figure out how to entice them to put a ring on it finally because you're sick of being single. You understand what I'm saying? Your brain will have to work overtime to get some of these brothers unlocked from. Because there's no sanction in society now against that anymore. It used to be, say like with athletes, it used to be that if you, if you were living with somebody as an athlete, your manager could talk you into getting married or doing this don't look good. You know, this is going to be bad for your career. We could get endorsements for companies that have family products, but, but you don't qualify because of your lifestyle. And the brother would straighten up. Now everybody's doing it. So the people who are living right look odd to everybody. You understand what I'm saying? So God wants us to make holy vows to him. When you're in covenant with God, you covenant and you commit to obey his word, even to your own hurt, all the way down the line. It's not good to be by yourself all the time. The Bible says it's not good to be alone. And so, but you've got to get serious about God providing somebody for you. And you've got to be more concerned about you being God preparing you than what that other person is like. You got me? God can prepare you in such a way that you can weather a storm. Things get bad enough you want to walk. It ain't real bad until you start packing. I know that from experience. (laughs) I've experienced pack, unpack. Huh? They get mad, they start packing, you help them. I've been through all that. (laughs) Oopsie, I am a Christian. I'm helping you pack and leave me. Huh? Been there, done that. Huh? Got a certificate. But it's part of living, folks. It's part, and you're not going to die because you have to stand by somebody during a difficult time. It's not going to kill you. It'll kill your crazy flesh that doesn't want to accomplish anything in life. God is looking at the 30 and the 40 year 
anniversary when people come and celebrate you because you're an example to them then you finally realize what god has been doing all these years he's been trying to through you help other people live that's called purpose is it gets called living with a purpose and not just living for yourself God talks about making foolish vows. Broken vows always draw a penalty. People tell you they better because they got divorced. They're liars. 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 And you tell them I said they're liars. Got a string of bad fruit. Rotten fruit. Kids that feel neglected and abandoned. Want to get on drugs. Angry all the time. Don't get me started. Anything you do under a vow is honored. So if you, if you commit to do something and, and God sees it, you'll get repaid for that. So there's a great payoff in keeping vows. And God will help us to keep our vows to his word. There are rules of the vow. Ecclesiastes 5.5 5 says it's better not to make a vow than to make it and not fulfill it. So if you're not going to do something, keep your mouth shut. Quit trying to make it sound like you're faithful when you're not. Quit lying to yourself and everybody else. Quit doing things for show. Huh? You get in church, put your hand up, can you pledge $100? Every hand shoots up. I said, Ten of you is liars, only one of you is telling the truth. That's about the level of faithfulness. You get one out of ten in every... It's just true. Shut up and quit arguing with me. <laughs> God said he has no delight in fools. It's foolish to make a vow and not repay it. You don't understand the penalty involved when you don't keep your word. Number six, two has the instructions for the Nazarite vow. That was the Old Testament commitment to live a holy life and make yourself available to God. There were many Nazarites that never got used by God, but they made themselves available. They couldn't make it in today's society. Because we got so many people who feel they're called and they can't wait to get started messing somebody up. Yeah, I said it. I said messing people up. How many people would live a dedicated, consecrated life and almost never be used by God and just say, God, here I am available for you. Part of the vow of the Nazarite was not to put a grape in your mouth. That's for all the preachers that like to sip and go in bars and drink with people and say a little wine for your stomach's sake. Nothing wrong with your stomach. Something wrong with your head, though. I can't think of anything worse to endure than a drunk preacher talking all night. Listen, my daddy was one of them. He was called. That's why so many of us in the family now got to preach. He didn't do nothing, but he could get a scripture and talk to you all night long. Huh? On a Colt 45, you know, a, a shorty, a tall boy, whatever he called, tall boy. He could take talk to you all night on one tall boy, just telling you one dead scripture after another. And we said, oh, daddy, please, no. When your kids got your number, you in bad shape. You bore, you bore a six-year-old, you pretty, 
But no, don't give me no drunk preachers. I want my, because see, I got evidence in the Bible. God wanted his ministers sober. They say you don't, you don't drink the fruit of the vine. You don't drink vinegar, wine vinegar. You can't have none of that on your salad. Oh, God, come on. No, don't touch it. Don't touch a dead body. It's my daddy that died. You can't touch him. You belong to me. You see what I'm saying? When we belong to God, there's a don't touch clause in everything that you do. You can't do what you want to do. Deuteronomy 23:21 says, don't be slow paying your vow. In other words, don't take forever. <laughs> you pledge $500 in, in 30 days. I want it on day, day one. Don't wait to 29. You know, some people have, I ain't got to pay it yet. I'm going to go get me some. Go get me some. Go get me something up with my money. Get my money. Yeah, it's your money, but you done spoke for it already. I wouldn't want to be out trying to spend nothing that belongs to God. Put your hand out there. <laughs> Numbers 32, chapter 30, verse 2, says you must never break a vow. And don't be rash in making your promises. Count the cost. Talk to God. Most people who vow money easily have a lot of disposable money. That's why it's so easy for us to make a vow. And the reason it's so hard for you to pay it is because you really ain't been doing much, much with it. You need to stick it in a bank somewhere. Let it draw some interest. Let it do something for you. That's a whole nother thing. In Genesis 28 verse 20, Jacob vowed a vow to God. I'm going to read that one because I like that one. Because it establishes how we need to feel. Was it Genesis 28? How we need to feel about God because he has promised us all of these things. 28 verse 20. Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God is with me and I will keep and will keep me in his way. In other words, if God will help me do the right thing. God's with me and he's going to keep me in his way. Go every day. And will give me bread to eat and clothes. Now, this is a, a total package. Huh? Hey, little Howard, you haven't done that yet. You got to go somewhere? All right, hurry up. Okay, because it's coming up soon. Thank you. It says, if he will be with me, keep me, direct me the right way so I don't make any mistakes. Give me bread. Man, what more do you want? That's a total package right there. So God's going to take you one, take care of you 100%. What do you give him in return, Jacob? Keep reading. A measly 10%? Huh? So this puts it in perspective. He says, oh, I'll come again to my father's house in peace. And I mean, to the day I die, God's taking care of me. And this stone which I set for a pillar shall be God's house, and that all of you shall give me. I will surely give you a tenth of everything you already give me. That sounds cheap to me. He'd have listed all the stuff he wants God to do for him, and yet he only gives a tenth. But that's all God requires from us, folks. That's all he expects. As you understand the goodness of God, your heart wants to give more. You decide that that is cheap, Jacob. Good gravy. Can't you do better than that, bro? 
God keeping you from sin, protecting you, and even down to your old age, you just sewed it up so you can go to the grave in peace. You got a life insurance policy from God that goes deep like that. And you're only obligated for 10%? Jacob, come on. (laughs) What is it about the vow that, that obligates us? It's the power of the spoken word. There is power in the spoken word. Words are eternal. They are picked up and quoted. They're spoken over and over again. Bible definitely is number one source for often quoted sayings. But then there are certain people that have spoken that have words that have meaning throughout the ages. You take Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation that has meaning throughout all the ages. You know, with malice toward none. I like that. He meant no harm to anybody. That's how he pulled this nation back together again after they'd been killing and fighting each other over a principle. You understand? He said, with malice toward none. And began his speech of bringing reconciliation back. That's a tough job, folks. You think about it. You think it's easy to bust things up, but it's hard to pull them back together again. You've got to be committed to do that. The spoken word is very powerful. In fact, words are eternal. We know words when we speak them to other people have a big impact. You can call somebody a name and and they know that's not true, but it still penetrates and causes some reaction. Hopefully they'll punch you in your mouth and you quit running your mouth so much. My mother used to do. And we learned how to talk right, didn't we, Gigi? God honors his word at all times. We're made in his image, so he obligates us to ourselves by our spoken words, our vows to ourselves. Many times we swear within ourselves certain things, and we obligate ourselves to certain things for a purpose. One purpose is marriage. That's the desire to allow the person to establish stability, longevity, and security in one another's lives. So you don't marry somebody on a whim. You don't marry somebody just to see what you can get from them so they can get you where you want to go. You marry them so that that, (laughs) I should say that, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, whatever. I learn. I learn some manners, but you know what I'm saying. When you're young and and immature and not saved, you might think, well, you know, I I need to get out of the house. Yeah, if you don't know how to make a better house, stay home. You can leave the house, mom and daddy's house, and go live in hell. Because you'll create a hell if that's all you're motivated to do. Marriage and marriage, you want to secure the other person as your own. So marriage is one reason to make a vow. Desperation is another reason people make vows. They get into desperate situations, like Jacob did. He made that vow to God to, if you will do this for me, God, then I will serve you and, and I will be with you all the days of my life. He got tired of trying to make his own way in life, and he said, maybe I'll try serving God. And then I did that. 
think you did that too. Amen. Another reason for it is loss or trauma. Death, divorce, sickness, childbirth. Some of those things are trauma. <laughs> sometimes women want, they, you know, I used to work in maternity sometimes and they want four kids. And they, oh, this is the last one. You know, they had that, oh, uh-uh, I ain't doing this again. It's enough for me. Oops, tie them up. No. You get more de- decisions for a tubal ligation after a delivery than you ever get. You know what I'm saying? Over. This is it. Can't afford no more. Huh? So it's a vow that you make to yourself. You know, my basket is full. You know, uh, your basket can get full sometimes. You understand? You know what you can handle in life. Amen? Scarlett O'Hara, we all know her from Gone with the Wind. You got me, little Howard? She's a good example of somebody who makes a vow because of, of extreme trauma and loss. God is my witness. As God is my witness, they're not going to leave me. I'm going to live through this, and when it's all over, I'll never be hungry again. No, nor any of my food. If I had to lie, steal, cheat, or kill, as God is my witness, I'll never be hungry again. Ah. Uh-huh. Well, she had lived through, they burned her house down, you know, all that kind of stuff through the Civil War. And you will find what people refer to these as deathbed conversions, foxhole conversions, where people get close to dying and they make vows. There are many vows made in foxholes by soldiers because they're afraid they're not going to come out alive. God, if you'll get me out of this. Huh? And God holds us to all vows. He's looking for those people when they get out of the foxhole. You understand what I'm saying? He's looking for them to keep, because a greater and a better life awaits them if they will come to God with everything that's in them. But that is so common for people when they're in traumatic situations to make vows about I'm never going to do this again. I'm not going to do that again. I'm there. You know, no, no, no. Be careful the circumstances under which you vow things. Because your soul records it. Your will records it. Everything in you records it. And God has created us that when our souls and our wills record our words, they are recorded permanently. And you are reminded continually that you cannot violate that vow that you made to yourself. I remember somebody that lost a house because they didn't pay for it. Just didn't pay for it. For some reason, maybe they couldn't afford it. Oh, we're not going, I'm never going to get another house. And I'm thinking how silly that is. But they were renters until they left this earth. called a vow now to you and me it seems simple to say well you you don't really mean that but because it's recorded on the inside of you every time the thought occurs to you to violate your vow i don't care how foolish that vow is that's why god says don't make a foolish vow don't speak abruptly about things and commit yourself to certain things 
especially beyond your capacity to, to carry out. Because you have no capacity to carry out a vow. You need help to carry out even the smallest vows. Huh? It's like women with, with new babies. You know, they bring them home. You're scared to drop. Oh, I ain't going to drop this baby. I, was, I dropped yours. You dropped him. He bounced. Nobody saw it. Baby's good as new. Huh? But, but we have no power. I'm just saying to say we have no power to keep from dropping the baby, okay? Everybody drops their baby. If you didn't, if you say you didn't, you just escaped. <laughs> huh? Because it's a common thing because you care about and, and you know how easy it is to, to slip up as a human being. And so you make a promise to yourself to watch the baby. I'm going to be very careful with the baby, you know? Uh, Minister Tina said that she brought her baby home. She was a teenage girl, had her had a baby, you know, out of wedlock. But she brought the baby home, she said, and I got in the, the house and, and put the blanket on the table. It was empty. She dropped the baby out in the snow. It was snowing when she brought him out. She made the mistake of telling her son about it. He tells it over and over again to this day. My mama dropped me before I even got in the house. You got me? But I say that to show you how foolish it is to make these vows to ourselves because we have no ability to keep them. That's the thing. God would prefer that we vow things that he can help us to keep. Because if you vow them alone just between you, yourself, and you, you're going to have hell to pay trying to keep your conscience from feeling bad about the things that you fail to be able to do. Don't over-obligate yourself. You got me? Learn how to obligate yourself in God. It's like I would love to do many things for many people, but I know my energy and time is limited to the things that God has purposed for me to accomplish. You understand? If I drop what he's given me to do that I'm obligated to and start picking up other things, I'll never get anything done. And so you have to weigh how you spend your time, how you spend your resources. What is God giving you resources for? What's the purpose of those things? Everybody's possessions are spoken for. I mean, already. God doesn't give you anything just disposable. He gives it to you with a... Now, I know there are some wealthy people that have things, but even their consciences will start to prick them. They'll look and say, I got all this money. I need to be giving some of it away. There's a woman that, uh, uh, a black woman, she just felt to share her testimony when she was talking about uh, people and how they're, they're down on Donald Trump. She works for him. And she talks about the Donald Trump I know. That's the way she put it. And she talked about how much they helped her. She went through a difficult, I think she had a drug addiction while she worked for them. They sent her to get help. They waited for her help to get. And, but she spends her job is to find ways for them to give away money that they have to charities. Or they trust her to that level with that, that kind of. But she talks about how people can be obligated uh, to a certain mentality and a way of thinking and don't know how to back up off of that. Once they get information to the contrary. And see, vows are like that. They're really attitudes about things. And we have to learn how to be flexible and change our attitude if we've overcommitted ourselves, not to God, 
but for things that stand in the way of us accomplishing the things that God has given us to do. We have to learn that it's not wrong for you to untie yourself from commitments that keep you from doing the will of God. If the will of God is for you to to be a teacher uh, in in the church and, and to teach children or to teach, you know, tell Pastor Shirley, you know, I just feel called to teach and God wants me to teach the word a little bit. Don't be intimidated because she's a good teacher. Don't don't let that stop you. God has a place for you. You understand what I'm saying? She'd be happy to let you come in and do something. But you got to know what you're doing, though. She ain't going to let you. It'd be a long hour if you ain't anointed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> be long for everybody. So, but see, many times people don't even think that that's something possible for them to do, simply because they feel over obligated in other places. When God has been waiting for you to step into that door so He can bless the rest of your life. And that's the other thing with fulfilling vows and purposes in God. The blessing for the remainder of the things in your life will follow your obedience to follow that vow that you've made to the Lord. See, people who are doing it know what it's like, and we sit over here and know what it's like, and you're over here and won't do it, and we wonder what's wrong with you. And you wonder what's wrong with us. Well, you don't know all the stuff I got to do. You don't know what it's like to be me. Well, no, and I don't. And you don't know what it's like to be on this side of obeying God and knowing the freedom where you think it's a restriction and you think you're not supposed to do it. For me, it's great freedom. I'm doing what God wants me to do, and I feel good about it, and I'm not struggling anymore against the devil who wants to keep me from doing the will of God. And that's true in anything that God has obligated us to do. Once you obey God and you're staunch in it and you won't vacillate and you won't be moved, huh? then you'll know the freedom that comes with being obligated and restricted. I said you'll know the freedom that comes from being obligated and restricted. Freedom that comes... With being obligated and restricted. See, if you only look at the restriction and the obligation and never look at the freedom that's going to come afterwards, you'll never get there. You'll never get there. You'll always be sitting there wondering why my life don't work right and why I'm not blessed as much as I want to be. Why I'm always waiting for everything. Huh? One of the things the Lord spoke to me, you know, I, I, I was late getting here, Pastor Shirley, and, and the Lord showed me something, and he wanted, wanted me to share it with you. But God said for you to ask the people during the offering, what would you rather do? Would you rather save than sow? Because there are two ways to getting to every goal that God has for you. If you need things, would you rather save up the money for it or would you rather sow to get it from God? See, that's the decision that we make every time we do something with our resources. Is it wiser to save up and scrimp and cut back or is it wiser to sow if I have the opportunity to sow to get it into my life? Sowing will get you a multiplied return. Because once a seed's sown, it produces fruit over and over and over again. 
You can go to that tree and reap any time you have a need or any time you just feel like blessing yourself. Because this tree's still producing. If you say you, you deny yourself in a material realm for things in the material realm and they're gone. There's no evidence they were ever there. Unless you got, you know, invest in something to show for it. But it's very much important to understand as Christians, we have, we have that choice to make. Whenever we have needs, you can sow and let that produce greatly in your life. Or you can save. You know what saving does? It makes you feel good that you're putting forth the effort and you're doing something. And I'm not saying squander anything. But if you take that same amount and sow it into something God's doing and trust God to bring your return. Problem with people, we don't really trust God. We think he's lying when he said give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But these are decisions that Christians need. You have to make them all the time. This is how the, the Copelands built what they built. By deciding to sow rather than save and look only at the material side of everything, they began to look at the spiritual side of everything. Kenneth Copeland went to his first conference with no money. And he said, the message was so good during the offering. He said, I've got to sow something. He said, when they were given their materials, package of materials, when they registered for the conference, he said, they gave you a notepad, they gave you a pencil, and he said, I had notes on my notepad, but I decided to sew my pencil. He put his pencil in the offering. He said, and when he walked out in the back, there was a woman standing back there, and she said, sir, she said, I don't know who you are, she said, but God pointed me out to you and told me to give you this. It was $20. Now. You've got a choice to make. You're going to rejoice and run around and tell everybody and go spend that $20, go to McDonald's with it? Or are you going to do what Brother Hagen, Brother Copeland did? He said, I rejoiced. I took that money and I sowed it right in the next offering. And as God continued to bless me, I, I continued to sow every time I got an opportunity. He said, because I felt that God was on to something in my life and I was determined to follow it. How many times have we felt God was on to something and be determined to follow it? you got to be like that. you got to be like that. He's on to something with you, Miss Tony. Yeah, and you're determined to follow it. God, I'm getting, to, I'm getting to the end of this stuff. I see what you're doing now, and it's all good. See, it's good on my behalf because you're a good God. You're obligated to me through your word to take care of me, just like Jacob. If you will take care of me, if you will make sure I have clothing and I have a place to live and that I'm protected and all of those things, then I will definitely, like Jacob said, give you a tenth. This isn't a sermon on tithing, but it's good. You understand what I'm saying? God does all that for us. Huh? Learn how to be patient with your vow. Don't get yourself ahead of God. Don't get yourself ahead of him. You can exhaust yourself paddling upstream, trying to stay ahead of God, trying to stay ahead of this. Trying to... Everybody's pursuing something, but you're also being pursued by something. The devil's hot after all of us. Many times we're diligent in things because we're fearful of losing 
and we're not secure yet. God wants you to live a life where you're secure. Your vow has a lot to do with that. What are you speaking out of your mouth that you're expecting God to do for you? Don't be ashamed to speak it. You get in your prayer closet and you start rattling off just like Jacob did. God, if you'll do this, if you'll do that, if you'll do that, if you do that, I'm your, I'm your girl down here. You can count on it, ride or die. Huh? Me and you, God. Huh? That's the kind of people he wants us to be. People have total confidence in him, total trust in him. We're not afraid to commit to him and we're not afraid for him to call us on our commitment. There will come a day. When all of the things that you've committed to God, they're on the table, and he's going he's gonna to pull them into service for him. You can bank on it. He doesn't have us commit for nothing. There's something real that he wants us to commit to because that's where we'll find our success. If you don't commit to anything, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to accomplish anything. If you're not faithful to it, especially the things that God has put in your heart and your mind to do, But put God first in all things, folks. Your vows will be holy vows. Your vows will be honored by God. Your word will be honored by God. If he gives you a job to do in the church, do it with all your might. Do it with everything that's within you. Don't look for opportunities not to come to church. You understand what I'm saying? Be there. Because there's going to come a day when it's all, it's all on the table and he's, you're going to be weighed in the balance. Huh? Like Nebuchadnezzar. God weighs things. We think he doesn't. Huh? You, want, you don't want him to write, <laughs> write your answer with a finger on the wall. Them situations are never good. You want God to talk to you. Like Jacob said, if you lead me and guide me and help me and all that, I'll do my part. But I don't want to see the handwriting on the wall, huh? Where you found short and there's no remedy. You got me? There's always a remedy when you belong to God. You do your best at all times. Don't be afraid to obligate yourself. If, if we need help in the church, we need help doing different things, you know, raise your hand. Say, I want to be there. You're like the Hebrew sisters, every conference. We want to go down early, Pastor Bar. You stay up there in that lobby, don't you come down. You know what I'm saying. But, but they volunteer. You understand what I'm saying? Make yourself available to God. Do what you're obligated to do. Don't always see yourself as an exception. You're not exceptional. Huh? You really aren't. I'd much rather be average, ordinary, everyday. And be in the things of God than to be exceptional and be on the outside trying to work my way in. Some people don't know where they're called to be. You can find out. But make sure that when you obligate to God, you're all in. Amen? All right. Father, we thank you. We bless you and praise you. Thank you that commitment is your way to take care of us and it's your way for us to take care of everything in our lives. We must commit. If we don't commit to you, we're going to vow to something else. Trust me. Because that's how people feel important. That's how they feel obligated. That's how they feel worthwhile. It's through what they commit to. Now, Lord, we always want to be committed to the right things. Right things in you. Right things in our workplace. Right things in the church. Right things in every place that we are. I thank you, Lord, for people 
who are excellent witnesses for you everywhere that they are. Because I know they're fulfilling their vows to you and they're expecting you to fulfill to them and that's a beautiful life. So Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in us, what you're helping us with, how you're honoring our words, how you're honoring your words and our faith in them. So we thank you, Lord, that we can trust you with everything that's in us. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. If you need prayer, come on up for prayer and I'll pray for you. Pray, pray, pray.